1: Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM.
0: SportsCage brought to you today by Extreme Hockey. It's the end of an era as Jason Degelman passes the puck off to Donnie and Tarrington at Extreme Hockey and Sport. New owners, same goals, proudly serving Regina and its community for 35 years. There are 12 games in the NHL tonight. Pete, did you see Scott Connor McDavid score last night? That overtime winner is his first and 11. People thought he was never going to score again.
2: <laughs> Funny you should mention that. I didn't see that particular one, but you want to guess what the top story on TSN's uh, app
0: is this afternoon? Connor McDavid, first goal in 11 games? No, will Austin Matthews break his mini slump? He hasn't scored in two games. Like, come on, people. Yeah, I know, but that's, but keep in mind, we're, we're from this, they're from the center of the universe mm-hmm. to them. That is, because it's funny, once the playoffs start, sorry, for, sorry, Leafs Nation, but you guys know your issues. This is not a surprise. Video game hockey for them in the regular season is a thing, like Austin Matthews, and I would love him on my team mm-hmm. if I was running a team, but I don't think he can outscore their problems in the playoffs. It just never seems to work that way.
2: No, there's a, well, as, as someone who's followed that team for a few years now, uh, there's no grit. There's very little grit. I mean, if Morgan Riley, who is not by nature a tough guy on the ice, is your tough guy in terms of uh, dishing out punishment, you've got problems.
0: Twelve games in the NHL tonight. Some of the interesting one. Vegas in Boston. I love the fact, see, the thing is, I, I like the Golden Knights ever since they came in the league, and I'm glad that they won the Stanley Cup last year, and I'm glad that they have, is it, what's the number? Was it 12 or 13 guys that are from, like, Western C- Canada, or played, like, in Western Canada? Ooh. Just some good, tough, uh, large, Hockey guys, so I love them. They're in Boston tonight. Uh is Boston gonna get that goalie situation figured out like Swayman's their guy, right? Yeah. Am I crazy to be like Allmark is not the guy and Swayman is the guy, but they can't make a decision.
2: No, well it's nice to have that I I guess option number uh, two there, but yeah.
0: Uh Arizona's at Toronto. Speaking of the Maple Leafs, I you gotta think, No, well, but you never know. Toronto sometimes they're very flame esque at times where they'll beat they'll win the hard games. But then they lose the easy ones. With Arizona coming to town, you'd think that's easy. You'd have to think that's an easy two points.
2: Well, it should be. Theoretically. I mean, Austin Matthews is playing against his home state. I don't know if he'll take it easy on them. I certainly hope not. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. The Leafs have this tendency of playing down to the level of their opponents.
0: Uh, Winnipeg Jets are in Dallas to take on the Stars. Um, the Jets surprisingly better than I thought they would be this year. I think that, I think a lot of people because, you know, with the Pierre Luc Dubois trade in the offseason and the, all those new players coming in. How's it going to work? How's it going to gel? It's turned out better. Except, and I know that uh, Brendan was talking about this the other day. You guys were uh, everything's working in Winnipeg except attendance. So, what's your take on this? Is it just because of the economy? Like nobody has four hundred bucks to go see a, tu- uh, a hockey game on a Tuesday night in an NHL city if you're on a budget.
2: Well, no, that's am I crazy? That's got to be a big factor as well. And I mean, uh, what are we talking? Eighty-four games during the season, so forty-two of them at home. Who's got? time to go to 42 hockey
0: games in the course of a season if you've got a young family or something it's a it's a tough sell well i know a lot of people in, in you know having some friends that in calgary and edmonton that when they get season tickets they are their their name is on all of them but they portion i would say a third to a quarter to a third out for sure to other people to a to try and offset their costs and they just know that they're not going to make it. I, although my cousin Robin, who lives in Saskatoon, he's a crazed Oiler fan, and he has season tickets, and he drives to most games wow. from Saskatoon. even, And he works full-time, and I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, even during the week, I get the weekend games. You know, you can go and you can take a family, because he got kids. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll try and, you know, get up there and then zip back early the next morning and try and get back to work. And I'm like, Ooh. ah. And it's on TV for free. And if it turns out to be a dud, you don't have a five hour drive back, uh, from YEG. But you know what? Um, he's a passionate. He goes, It's not what I spend on season tickets. You should see what we're spending on merch every year. You know, jerseys aren't cheap. We got to outfit the whole family and everything. And then the Kings and Canucks, the surprise team. And I'm not sure that did anybody think that Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks would be as good as they are? You know, with that lineup, because they really didn't change the lineup from last year all that much. There's a few players, but man, they are playing good hockey. Could the, I, know, I know Canucks fans are like Leafs fans? Mm-hmm. They're a little agitated, they're a little edgy, and they like to get fired up. They're like Ryder fans. Okay, we're all in that same group together. Could this be the Canucks year, or do they got to make a move and bring it, to to bring in bring in something they're missing? Is it D? Is it scoring more grit? I don't know. I think the grit might be a part of it. I
2: honestly, if Anyone out there says, yeah, I knew all along the Canucks would be this good this season. They're lying to you. They're absolutely lying to you. I know. Rick Talk, it's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. But for them to be this much better this quickly without, as you mentioned, a huge turnaround in the roster, that's pretty impressive.
0: And one of the worst games tonight. And uh, thankfully it's on, mm, let's see, what's going to be, 930 our time, Anaheim's at San Jose. Ugh. I would actually pay somebody. To be like, here, if you can sit and watch this whole hockey game from start to finish, I will pay you money. I bet you they'd tap on and say, I don't need the money that bad. I'm fine. I'm going to pass.
2: Yeah. I I love hockey, but
3: yeah.
0: So, and that's where, and this is hard, like when you're doing sports, and trust me, I know everybody in their head. Oh, it's easy to do a sports talk show. You guys should do this. You should do that until you get sat down in front of a microphone. And then it's hard to do a sports talk show. Very, nice. but for the announcers for the Anaheim Ducks and the announcers for the San Jose Sharks, those play-by-play teams, what they're going through, like last year and this year, because they got to get paid, you still got to do the job, but there's not a lot there to talk about or to get excited about. And I don't know that tonight is going to be the night that's going to turn either season around. It's kind
2: of like being the Bob Euchre character in the in the uh, old movie Major League. Oh, oh. just a
0: bit outside. Just a bit out. Oh, yeah, just trying. Out thing. Try and polish uh, what speaking, you're seeing. Uh, who doesn't love a good Ricky Vaughn meme on Twitter these days nice. or X? Pardon me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, we're giving away tickets to the Briar. If you missed the uh, the question earlier, which skip won the first Briar ever played at the Brand Center? It was back in 1992. See, I'm already helping you. We got a lot of heat last week because apparently the, the question that we asked, the answer was wrong, according to some. I'll defend to the bitter end that it was, the answer was right. It was debatable, but it was within one. Mm -hmm. But there's only one answer here. And if you want to text it to us, you can. but let's see. Where are we at here? So we're at 306-936-6262, Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford Reeler, Ford retailer, CapitalFordLincoln.com, Capital Ford Lincoln text line. Uh, you just got to tell us which skip won the first Briar ever played at the Brand Center, hmm. and it happened in 1992. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, former Saskatchewan Rough Rider and current Saskatchewan Rough Rider, Rider Nation Game Day broadcast member Wes Cates will join us. Stand by. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough is on the Sports Cage, right here on the mighty 620 CKRM.
0: If you want to be part of the Sports Cage this afternoon, you can always call us toll free 866 767 0620. Arash Medani on the show. In about an hour and ten minutes' time, we found out yesterday the CFL is opening an investigation into the Toronto Argonauts and Chad Kelly situation. This silence on this topic from both the CFL and the Argos speaks volumes. That they've said nothing. And that's not a good look. We had Luke Mullender on the radio last week, and for everything that he was saying about how they're encouraging and trying to get more women into the Canadian Football League game, and just by doing this, it is a very, very bad look. And the one good thing about Arash, he's connected. He knows the people. He'll know the ins, uh, and he'll know the outs. And and one of the questions is, does the CFL have a policy on harassment against women? We're going to find out uh, if they do. So that's Arash Madani. Uh, He's coming up. in about an hour's time. It's been a rough West Coast swing for the Regina Pats. They're 0 for 4. Uh, They lost the other night 6-3 against the Wenatchee Wild. Um, they blew a couple of leads it's not great but we knew it was going to be a tough west coast swing we knew that this was going to be a stretch run where they were going to need to string some games together uh, basically to get it together to have a chance at the playoffs and I don't know that it's going to get any easier uh, going from here uh, also on the show this afternoon Glenn Suter will be on uh, after 530 as we usually do talking to him Tuesdays and Thursdays find out what his take is I know Brendan and him chatted the other night about in the CFL in the west division the surprises or the teams that could pop out Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the East division surprises and the teams that could pop out we do have briar tickets to give away with the Montana's briar starting tomorrow we will be live with the sports cage uh, from the brand center Every day of the Briar. You can come by and see us. We'll be there. We'd love to. Maybe put you on the radio. Who's your favorite curler? A little shout-out action. Um, which skip won the first Briar ever? Played at the Brandt Center? Uh, if you can tell us that, all you gotta do is text the answer along with your first and last name to 306-936-6262. Somebody is winning Briar tickets before the show is over. We'll take a break and come back. It's the sports cage on 620 CKRM.
1: Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM.
0: Welcome back to the Sports Cage Thursday edition. If you want to go to the Briar next week, we've got tickets to draw 15. That'll be next Wednesday. The big game that night, Saskatchewan versus Nunavut and Kevin Cooey's Alberta Rink is going to take on PEI. It's a simple question. You just got to text us the answer, your first and last name. Uh, uh, all you got to do is tell us who, which skip was when the first Briar ever played at the Brand Center. It happened back in 1992. And, Pete, you said this was not on the tip of your tongue, but was Googleable. I think, like any trivia question on any radio station these days, uh, Google's the only way we're doing this. Because should I throw a hint? I was at him? like, hmm. Uh, well, you can you fire away. Okay.
2: The correct answer, the winner's name, also makes a pretty fine first name. I'm just saying. His last name makes a good first name.
0: No, a little self-gloss. I see what yeah, you're doing. You know there. what? Nice. If you want to go to the briar, I know some people just want to go to the briar just to be in the, in the patch. Like mm-hmm. some people don't make it into the rink. <laughs> and nope, that's fine. So. You do what you do. We're not judging. <laughs> Capital Ford Lincoln text line 306-936. 6262, Capital Ford Lincoln, Saskatchewan's number one Ford retailer, capitalfordlincoln.com. Uh, last week on the show, Pete, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you caught this, but my in-laws in Calgary, uh, they made it on TV at the Scotties. Oh. During coming back for one of the commercial breaks, there was grandma and grandpa, uh, in the crowd. And we happen to be recording it anyway, so we were able to do it and share it amongst the family. So not only they're huge curling fans, but now they're celebrities amongst the family group text, which nice. at times, I'm not sure if you're in any group text, especially with family, they can be annoying. But that was one of the, they're always talking about social media content these days and how much engagement that got. That got a lot of engagement in the family. Oh, good. Um, so for anybody that has to do that, uh, we're talking CFL this afternoon. Uh, Enoch is gonna come on next hour. Uh, we got Rash Madani. We got Glenn Suter. Do we have Wes Cates yet? Do we have Wes? Yeah. We do. Okay. we we got, we got Wes, West ready to go. Um, he, you know him as a former Saskatchewan Rough Rider, but you love him for the honesty that he brings as part of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Rider Nation game day podcast here on 620 CKRM. Wes Cates, we got to get your opinion now that there's been like almost two full weeks. Does Rider Nation have a reason to be <coughs> optimistic about our free agent signing so far in 2024?
4: I think so. I mean, it, it definitely seems like there's uh, a lot of excitement around the athletes that, that know and have played in the NFL and are are new to the NFL that, uh, you know, the Riders have a good coaching staff coming in. Obviously, the fan base is great. The facilities are amazing, top, top of the line. So I think uh, really... As long as everything keeps keeps uh, falling into place the way that it is, you really can get uh, as many of the available athletes as the salary cap and uh, your roster will allow.
0: Okay. So take us back once, wait, Pete. I'll get, you go right I'll ahead. Next up. Um, take us back to your free agent days. What was that mm-hmm. like for you? Were you the sought-after, high price guy? Was there perks coming your way? Was there things that would get people suspended or fired these days if it were to come to light of how West Cates got signed to the dotted line in Ryderville? Take us through that, how you ended up becoming a rider?
4: Absolutely not. So That was not, not my story at all. I, had, uh, I basically was kind of a no-name uh, guy who had a lot of numbers coming out of college but hadn't played much football in a few years. Got to... Uh, the Stamps and had a, I guess you could call it a a breakout rookie season. I I backed up Joffrey Reynolds, who rushed for a lot of yards in this league, uh, was in camp with him, John, and John Cornish and myself were all on the same team in 07. There were some injuries uh, for the O-line in Calgary that made them, uh, that, put them in a position that they were desperately in need of an O lineman and uh Ken Keith had just left the Riders. So the kind of discussions kinda happened organically actually during a preseason game, the last preseason game of O seven, uh the Riders played the stamps and uh I was out there on the field uh trying to dodge Nate Davis at the time and <laughs> and ended up uh yeah, ended up getting signed by the Riders kind of that evening. So it was, it was one of those situations, a blessing for me, because it just worked out that the Riders really needed a back, and I was in a position where I was probably going to be the odd man out with Corners coming in as a Canadian. saw the hype that he had being a, a great running back at Kansas, and then Charles Reynolds had already made a name for himself in the CFL. So, you know, sometimes things have to align. I think that, uh, yeah, they definitely did align for me and, and the Riders, uh, especially in 07 uh, with that – with
2: that great cup at the end of the year. Wes, I think you sell yourself a little bit short. For folks who don't know, um, (laughs) the Riders and the Rider fans were very excited when you came over because you were, in everyone's mind, I think, the quintessential CFL running back. You're looking for a guy that can run the ball, Wes Cates. You're looking for a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, Wes Cates. And here's the important one. You're looking for a guy that can block in pass protection, Wes Cates. Wes Cates. Do you see a lot of that in the new rider starting tailback, A.J. Ouellette?
4: You know, I mean, there's a lot of similarities with me and A.J. He's actually, uh, we're both from Ohio. He's from uh, the Dayton, Ohio area, small town around there. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, big city in Columbus. But um, we both were uh, riders. We both were, I think, a matter of fact, we're like the same, around the same age we signed with the riders because I was a, 26 year old rookie so when i signed with the riders i was 27 going on 28 and when i got here i wanted ron lancaster's number but i didn't realize the history behind <laughs> it. So i kind of got in a little trouble because i i came up with that number no goal, i came Wes. up like i wore 20 i wore 23 almost my whole career and then they were like oh heck no you can't have that number Are you crazy i thought i was going to get a release for even asking and then <laughs> then a.j kinda hits the same issue <laughs> coming up uh wearing thirty four his whole career then he comes over here probably I'm sure he knew about George Reed, but yeah, had to switch up his number. So some similarities yep. there and I think he's a great great size back, right? He's about two fifteen, six foot, two fifteen, somewhere in there five, maybe a little under. He'll probably say he's six foot, maybe he's five eleven, five ten. And then uh, you know, big back can uh make some space for himself in between the tackles and can and can get outside the tackle and uh get out in the route in, into routes and, and catch the ball and and definitely has the size to block and I think I saw everything. Yeah, I saw I think he's a complete back from everything I saw. He definitely became one of my favorite backs in the league this year. I mean, I'm a little biased because he's an Ohio kid, but uh but yeah, I think when we signed him I was like, "Oh yeah, we got what we need at the running back position."
0: See, and that's what I like to hear. Like when the players, as fans, we're you get you West. Obviously, you know we Ryder fans. We're a little easy. We could our buttons are easy to push. They're very visible. We get fired <laughs> up, so we're always we always win the off season. But when I hear you, you go, yeah, we got that guy. Uh, it's West Cates on the Western Pizza Guest Hotline. Perfect pizza with a generous amount of toppings, plus Greek food like souvlaki. Ribs, salads, the goodness you can't make it home. Call Western Pizza today. I want to rewind when you said you're in Calgary with a bit of a stacked lineup and it's funny, only in a CFL moment, you're playing for the stamps and then after the game, you're getting signed by the other team. That's an only in the <laughs> CFL. You mentioned Joffrey Reynolds, John Cornish. Yeah. I've always long said for, for two decades, John Huffnagel and his staff and scouting system and the amount of talent they brought into the league over two decades. They brought in everybody else's free agents because basically you came to the Stamps. You nobody knew who you were. None of you. You're all great football players, and then you went on to greatness elsewhere. Did you? When you got to town, did you know I'm in tough here? There's some really good guys that maybe don't deserve to be in the CFL, but this is going to be a tough task to crack that roster.
4: Uh, you, you're saying uh, when I stepped on foot with the with the Stamps, stepped on. Oh yeah. I guess you could say yeah. yeah well. You, well, um, it was it was interesting because a funny story. I, I was talking to Brandon Browner in camp. If you remember, the six four DB that played a few oh, years yeah. here and then went to the NFL, and he was like, "Man, he's like we're in camp in '07." He's like, "Man, you're a big you're a big fast back. Like why aren't why aren't you the starter?" I was like, "Well, I think I'm better than Joffrey, but Joffrey has done nothing to." to lose his role. I think he's a great back. So he's the guy. I'm trying to just be there for if if, you know, for whatever reason he's he's not the guy anymore. So Joffrey was there. Cornish was actually in O six in O six Cornish went back. He was actually signed to the stamps, but he went back to finish school. So in O seven he kinda came in and kinda knew he was on the team so he really I didn't even think he was as good as he turned out to be. Obviously, uh, CFL. He's in the CFL Hall of Fame, but uh, you know, at the time, I was like, this guy doesn't really seem like much. But, but I guess he kind of just knew his role being a Canadian, being a running back. He kind of knew he was on the job. Plus, we I joked with another running back named Ken Simonton. We called him Scholarship Check because he (laughs) he got twenty grand to sign. You know, which was kind of like not really something that. that, Well, yeah, yeah. He got twenty grand to go back to school. We (laughs) we joked about that. He was the the fourth running back on that roster, and he was a good back too. He was more of a scat back and a returner, but um, but yeah. At the at the time, I really didn't know how tough it and I had it. But times like being twenty twenty, I'm kind of glad I got out of Calgary because what happened was. Uh, Basically, Cornish kind of super or took over for Joffrey kind of before Joffrey was really done because it was just Cornish had been there two three years and it was, was kind of that time, right? So yeah, it definitely worked out better for me. I had a, five years with the, with the riders and you know three great crowd, three Gary Cups and. And, yeah, definitely, uh, I think, considered a rider great in a lot of people's eyes because of all the winning we did during that time, which I like to call the West Cates era. But
3: <laughs> just because
4: in that in that little handful of years, we did as much winning. My five years, we did as much winning as any other era with the riders.
2: He Wes, I've never asked you about this. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm assuming you yeah. hate the University of Michigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you an Ohio State guy growing up and was, well, he was probably a bit before your time, but was Eddie George your guy?
4: Uh, Eddie George, definitely a fan of Eddie George. I was, ironically, coming up in high school, I kind of liked the Ohio State was kind of like an arrogant. Like always, the top school, and kind of. I thought they were a little arrogant, so I kind of liked Michigan in high school. But then I went, then I went to school in Pennsylvania, and all my Pennsylvania buddies always talk trash about Ohio because there's a big. There's well, my own Pennsylvania. There's actually a high school all-star game called the Big 33 where actually the best 33 kids in Ohio play the best 33 kids in Pennsylvania. Anyway, long story short, they talk so bad about Ohio, I was like, I got to represent my states. And that turned me back into the Ohio State fan I should have been. Now, definitely Ohio State fan. Kudos to Michigan for winning the national championship this year, but I wanted to see Ohio State in the, you know what I mean in the, in the playoffs and and winning it. I'm i yeah, ride or die Ohio State now. But I guess I didn't know the errors of my ways when I was a youth. <laughs> I came came back home right.
0: Well, so part. does Ryan Day? Oh yeah. Well, so here's the thing, Wes. If you're a you're, if you're a huge Ohio State fan, now does is does yeah. Ryan Day the guy, and does he have the horses? Now are they going to get over? Now that Harbaugh's gone, okay? Because I think that's a huge factor. Yeah. Does Ohio State have what it takes now to get past Michigan and be that team that's going to take on the SEC? And now that the playoffs are expanding, uh, to be in that top eight, twelve, top twelve situation, to be one yeah. of those elite teams that can win a national championship.
4: Yeah, I think they'll. Well, now that it's expanding, they'll always. I think Ohio State will be one of those teams where uh, everybody else is like, oh, Ohio State's in it again, you know, because that's just the caliber of, of athlete that they're able to bring in year after year, and it's just a great university. A lot of a lot of money behind it. One of the biggest schools in the country, and just and just known for that. Columbus is a, is a college town, right? It's a huge city, but no professional teams until the Blue Jackets came, what about twenty plus years ago now. Because of how how much fanfare that, that university has. So so yeah, I definitely think that uh yeah, they is lucky that Harbaugh's gone because Harbaugh our, not beating Michigan has gotten many a great Ohio State coaches fired. So and it seemed like Harbaugh had his number after Harbaugh settled in, he kinda yeah, there wasn't much they could do. I feel like it might be time for Ohio State to move on from day but uh well we'll see see how things go now that hardball's out the way.
2: <laughs> I'm so with you on moving on from Ryan Day, but anyway, um, speaking of coaches <laughs> that might be under a little bit of heat, Corey Mace, what are you expecting?
4: You know what, I like I like the fact that um, he's come with a lot of excitement around the league from the players, right? As soon as he came over here, there was Toronto players that were trying to sign with, with the Riders. That's a great sign. He's played the game um, that's another good sign because, you know, when you played then you're you know, you, players on your team, you're more believable Then he's he's not a small guy, so his stature, you know his deep tone, he command some respect and, and you know some attention so I think all those things work in his favor to get off to a good start and then from there it'll just be about the way he you know brings the team together he's still got to put the work in he's got to bring the team together he's got to get a good staff working together under him and uh yeah they got to bring a good talent to uh Yeah, because he he can't go out there and make all the plays. So definitely got to keep bringing in good talent and having guys. But I think the biggest thing is that the guys are going to buy in off the hop because of the fact that he's played and and the type of man that he is. So I think, um, yeah, it's a great pickup for the Riders.
0: Uh, We're chatting with Wes Cates on the Western Pizza guest hotline. Wes, can you tell... Like within the first couple of days of training camp in a new coach situation, if you reflect back as a player, you're like we got something special here or we're going to be in one and this is going to be a long season?
4: <laughs> I kind of joke because um, I told my last season I told my my wife that it was about four days in the camp. And she was like how's the team going to be? And I was like mm, not good. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to struggle this year because it was just a lot of youth and just it just didn't. It just didn't feel right. But every other year, I knew we were going to have some, some success. So I guess the answer to your question is yes. Like you do get a feel kind of right off the hop because you see how smooth you're getting through stuff, how attentive guys are, how they're how they're working. If, if guys are grasping things easy, you know what I mean, and you're able to move on and get through kind of your script or your planned day schedule, and you know guys aren't getting hurt. Those type of things kind of come into play. So, so yeah, it, it, you do, you get a sense, like, like you can always write the ship or maybe course correct, but but you kind of, yeah, once once you get a, a week into camp, you kind of know what you got. And unless you really start <laughs> making some moves and something like that, you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of hoping that some miracles happen. So I think, but I think this, this rider team, we'll see. You know what I mean? I'm obviously – the D-line and O-line are people kind of underestimate how important they are to success. But I think, uh, yeah, I think being that we have a lineman as a coach, uh, he would understand that and make sure that he's working with Jeremy O'Day to get, get the best people available in camp.
2: As a running back, I'm I'm sure you're probably not upset when you see a team uh, devoting some resources, i.e., cash, to the O line. Uh, I was talking to Logan Ferland, the Riders' outstanding O lineman, last couple seasons, but a two weeks ago now, and I said, geez, Fur, you got to love this. I mean, you're stacked up on the O-line. I, I, I don't think your spot's in jeopardy, but then uh, you've got a power running back and you've got a scat back in Hickson to, to mix things up. Looks like they're finally going to run the ball, the thing they've been saying they're going to do for the last three, four years. And he said, yep, it's going to be fun. Do you see that <laughs> being the offense?
4: I, I hope so. I think I think you got to have a healthy... Run game. You got to be able to throw the ball around the yard. It is the CFL, obviously, but um, the teams that have success in out games are the teams that can, can can get a yard when they need it, can can get first downs when they need it, and you see it time and time again in every league, not just the CFL. That the teams that can can run the ball typically win because you know you can push guys around and, and get the yards you need when you when you need them and then also, and it translates to kind of keeping the defense on their heels and, and not having to deal with a, uh, a heavy blitz or heavy rush, right, because teams are worried about, you know, if you got a back in the backfield, what's, what's that back doing? We got to make sure to to uh, shore up our gaps before we're worried about getting get to the quarterback. So, So those are things that, you know, maybe the average person doesn't necessarily understand, but yeah, every defense has gap responsibilities. If you're worried about the run, you're going to make sure your gap is, is taken care of before you get after the QB. If you're not worried about the run game, then you might do something out of character and not cover off your gap just to get a little edge on the whole line that you're going against to get to the QB quicker. So it, it just helps in all aspects of running the offense when you when you have a strong run game because it keeps the defense honest.
0: It's West Case on the Capitol, uh on the uh, Western Pizza Guest Hotline. Uh He's joining us. When you see Trevor Harris, when he was healthy in those, what was that, first four, five games of the year, four and a half games, whatever it was? Did you like like everybody else? You thought if this can, if we can keep this up, are we good? Are do you feel good? He's coming back. If he's healthy, you feel good as him as the starting quarterback for the Riders this year, giving us the best chance to win out of anybody.
4: For sure. I mean, statistically, he was up there. He was always hovering around the top two or three QBs in the league when he was playing statistically. And then he's a smart guy. He's been in a lot of offenses. He's probably seen every defense. So when you add all that up, Plus, he's he's athletic enough. I'm not saying he's a guy that's going to blow you away with any type of, uh, you know, drills or anything like that, but he's athletic enough. We saw that, unfortunately, on the play, he got hurt. That was a heck of a run and had, you know, things just maybe a couple inches different. Maybe he wouldn't have had that catastrophic injury, but at the end of the day, smart guy. As long as the arm strength is there, he's been working on his accuracy, and I'm sure he, he, just, he strikes me as the type of individual who is going to work to get better every day, whether well, uh, be in-season, off-season, so I think he's probably with what happened to him last season, very determined to to show that he can be that guy this year, so I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to do. I think he might have one of his best seasons
3: yet.
0: You heard it here first. West Cates predicting riders in Grey Cup. Trevor Harris, MOP of the league. <laughs> Done. Uh, to do that. Um, and if we go, uh, West, uh, cause you were, would uh, know, you, you, you were, you were never part of the Chris Jones era, were you? You, were you, you were no. you wrapped him up by then? Yeah. No. Okay. You're, so he's in Edmonton. Does McLeod Bethel Thompson solve all of Chris Jones's problems to get them to respectability? Because I think Brendan said the other day, what is he eight and twenty-nine? I think is the Eskimos. Pardon me, the Elks head coach. Like the record's not great. And I think, may is the magic running out on Chris Jones at Edmonton if this experiment at quarterback doesn't work out.
4: Well, I'd say so. I mean, I feel like the team was the team as a whole, Edmonton, was getting a lot better last year. Uh, you know, almost every game it seemed like they were taking leaps and bounds to getting better. Um, obviously, the end record didn't really show that, but I thought they were getting really good as a team. Mc- McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I mean, I've, I'm kind of on the fence about him. I think he has good days and bad, and I don't know why that is. So, so we'll see. I don't know if Chris Jones seems like the type of coach who's great to hang with and play, be around. But I don't know if he's necessarily the type of guy who's who's going to keep you focused necessarily like you need to be at a QB position. Like it seems like his defenses are always kind of ready and up for the task. But I don't know if he's the type of coach that that kind of vibes with. Like QBs are more analytical and kind of. Uh, introspective kind of guys and he seems like he's kind of a no-nonsense kind of coach and I don't know if that's going to clash with most QBs but we'll see. I'm not too worried about Edmonton though. I think the Riders have a lot better situation going on over here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I hope so. Well, Wes, for for the sake of Rider Nation and not everyone losing their mind again uh, this upcoming year. So, when you, you know, you talked about the the West Cates era and the glory days. Out of all the guys you played with, give us a couple who were ended up being your favorite people. I don't know, maybe it's because personality or football, mm-hmm. but who are the those people that you'll always, if you see the text show up or the name on the phone, you just smile or you laugh. Like, who are those people for you? Because that's yeah. the kind of stuff. We as fans don't know because you guys were tight knit. Like those were some tight, good football teams. So who is your crew of people that you just still to this day are you know uh, as tight as ever?
4: See even though I was a running back, I was kind of a defensive mind. I love playing defense, so I hung out with the linebacker. So Reggie Hunt was always even though we only played together in 07 then things didn't work out with him and Tillman and he ended up in Montreal. But that was my buddy. When he when he retired and moved back, we hung out all the time. So so definitely Reggie Hunt. Um uh, who else? Uh, Tad Cornergate was a guy that I used to always hang with and had fun with. Mike McCullough is always a funny guy on the offensive side of the ball. I uh, Rob Bag was—he was just one of my favorite guys because he was just a genuine dude. and He came ready to work all the time. He was just
0: so tough, you know what I mean?
4: So tough. Yeah, one of those guys that is just like, oh man, you know, you want your you want your son to be like Bobby Bag. I used to call him Bobby Bag with the killer comeback because he can run a twenty-two <laughs> yard comeback and stop on the dime. You know, it's a shame that some injuries kind of you know kind of kibosh some of the things he could do because he really could have moved into you know an interior slot receiver role and been like one of those got yard receivers year over year, I think. Um, yeah, so so there's definitely some guys, you know, that Neil Hughes and Chris Zarkas and, uh, you know, it was always fun to to hang around Gene Makowski. I, like, I think back to things I could have done better and it's like, I should just did what Gene did. Gene <laughs> yeah. was, you, you... you know, the he was the consummate pro. Like, he was take care of his body and doing his drills and you know and he was a funny funny dude too so so yeah he was, i I, th-
0: yeah. I think anybody that goes on to be a politician had their act together long before their football <laughs> career started or so i would say he he was buttoned up with his p's and q's all right hey wes uh thanks for your time love you we can't wait to get this uh, season started uh, everybody's excited in rider nation we've had a great free agent class but as they always say you you know, you can win on paper, but you got to win those games uh, on the field. It's Wes Cates. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. We're going to take a break. He wasn't a rider for long, but we loved him when he was here. Hinak Muambo, who just said he's hanging him up and retiring from the CFL, will join us next hour on the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM.
1: Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM.
0: Thursday edition of the Sports Cage. It's hour number two. We have got Briar tickets to give away. Which Skip won the first Briar ever? Played at the Brand Center. You can text your answer if you think you're so smart to 306-936-6262 on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line. We need a first and last name there. He was the number one pick in the 2011 CFL draft. Get ready. There's some stats coming your way and this, this is impressive stuff. Number one pick in the 2011 CFL draft by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He played for the Bombers. Then he played for the Indianapolis Colts, the Montreal Alouettes, the Dallas Cowboys. He was part of Jerry World. Then he was a Saskatchewan Rough Rider between 2016 and 2017. The Montreal Alouettes, Toronto Argonauts, and he just recently announced the other day that he is retiring from the Canadian Football League. He joins us on the Western Pizza Guest Hotline. Enoch Muamba, please tell us your favorite stop in your football career was Ryder Nation. Please, will you tell us that to get the interview started?
5: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And, and, and you know what I'll say, uh, Saskatchewan was absolutely uh, one of the top ones. And I'll say this, and I'll say this. I know you think, oh, he's only saying it because he's, you know, talking to Saskatchewan media. But no, the, the truth is, uh, my wife and I talk talked about this for some time now since I left there.
3: But it was one of the best places because we had just
5: gotten married.
3: Um, and then right
5: after marriage, uh, my wife was pregnant. She literally came back from the honeymoon. Uh, and it happened right after the honeymoon. She was pregnant. And then we went to Saskatchewan. And we moved in together. Uh, but life was the simplest. Uh, it, it it's never been, you know. It was my wife and I. We were in our you know our apartment uh, down there, and uh, uh, one of my best friends and, and teammate at the time, Cam Marshall, was happened to live as well. Way before work from home was a thing, uh, living and working with his well living with his wife who is from the U.S. as well. Um, so uh, we we just spent almost all of our times together. I mean. Uh, we were potlocks. We were at each other's house. Uh, and when we played away games, Cam and I, um, you know, we knew that Aisha and Jeff were were, were never lonely, and, and they were, they had each other. So it was it was one of the best times uh, that I've had over the course of my career. Because so one is up there, and it is a, a special place. We still have friends from out there.
2: Hinak Mwamba, it's also the last place you played in the CFL in terms of a game. And that game turned out pretty well for you.
5: You know what? you that, That's an amazing point. So I have lots, lots, lots of love uh, 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 in Saskatchewan and for Saskatchewan. And you know what? I have so many uh, people that continue to reach out to me from Regina um, and really Saskatchewan that continue to support me, whether, um, you know, from the time that I was there, so even afterwards. There's, there's one amazing picture. I don't know who took it. But um I keep seeing it and it's uh I was given my awards at the breakup in Regina and I'm raising and tears falling down on my face. But if you look carefully behind, somebody's literally holding a number 71 jersey a rider's green Saskatchewan Rough Rider jersey and um uh and that's just cool to show the love that, that 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 I still have in in uh, in, in the galaxy.
0: Uh, we're chatting with Enoch Mwambo. He announced the other day he's uh, retiring from the CFL, uh, a stellar career, Grey Cup champion in 2022. He was also the Grey Cup Most Valuable Player, the Grey Cup Most Valuable Canadian in 2022. Uh, take us... Okay, so there are uh, two parts, and we'll start. We'll do uh, my part, and then Pete can do the second. Tell us how you ended up as a rider, and then Pete, you can jump in and tell us why you weren't able to stay a rider. So how, If you were with the Dallas Cowboys in 2016. How did you end up in Riderville? What was that story?
5: we yeah. got I don't know if you guys want to hear all the details. Then I'm gonna have to call for that. All one. the details. It's all the details. Well, you guys are gonna have to bring me back on for me to give the rest of the details, but I'll save it. I got a hunch the name Chris Jones
2: plays a part in all this.
5: <laughs> call it a hunch. Listen. That's not a bad hunch right there. But So I'm in Dallas, um, and, and I'm in, a, in an extremely uh, competitive linebacker room. You know, Sean Lee was one of the guys. Um, um uh, Durant, uh, Darren Durant's brother was actually, Justin was in that room as well with me. Yeah. In Dallas. And he really, 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 Competitive room, and I happen to um, to strain my hamstrings and and my hamstring. And so, you know, I I go back to the drawing board and I'm I'm debating okay, what am I doing next? Am I going back to, um, you know, I'm waiting for the other teams. And if anybody knows anything about the pole, uh, football world, you know, it, it, it's tough when, when you're looking for the the next team, and, and you'll hear a lot of different things from different teams, and that's what I was hearing, and look, you know, uh, just give us a couple more weeks, give us a couple more weeks, we'll give you a call, and this is from uh, multiple NFL teams, and I went to Green Bay, I went to uh, Miami, I went to a few different cities to also work out, and I got great feedback, but you know uh, the, the 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 NFL and post sports period is one of those businesses where it's, it's 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 based off of need, right? And so they can like you, you can be great, but if they have a greater need at offensive linemen, if they have a greater need as at you know running back, you know that's what they'll have to go with at that time. And so I wasn't necessarily getting the feedback that I wanted. And then after a, 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 a couple of weeks of kind of just waiting around, after I was healthy enough. You know, I told myself, you know what? I I feel like I'm okay. Uh, I was still getting a lot of attention from pretty much every team up in Canada still, and uh, I told myself, hey, look, uh, I'm gonna go back up. Uh, I'll go back north. Um, Like I said, I was planning on getting married. Um, and I, and I kind of wanted a little bit more stability rather than, uh, you know, not knowing where, what my next, uh, team was going to be. And, 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 I knew how much I still needed to kind of, uh, you know, learn and grow within the NFL. Um, but I also knew the game, um, the CFL game, which I grew up learning. And so I was excited to come back up north. And, and uh, I don't know if everybody remembers, but I, I took a few trips. I went to a few cities, a few teams, and, um, you know, I love my time in, in, um, uh, in Saskatchewan, uh, Chris Jones was definitely involved. Um, John Murphy was definitely involved. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, at the time, uh, you know, I was really focused on, on, on my brand. I was focused on, on, you know, trying to kind of develop my brand and I was extremely interested in media. And I wanted to kind of uh, do more with the media as well. And I remember it just made so much sense for me. One, um, beyond just cause you got to realize when you're in a situation where you, you're wanted by multiple teams, everybody's going to tell you, you know, what you want to hear. Um, but I, I knew what I wanted as well. And Saskatchewan was really what I wanted from the standpoint of one. I loved, I fell in love with, um, Rider nation. Um, and, uh, and and beyond that, too, I was like, you know what, it's the perfect place for me to also to develop and grow in, in the other aspects outside of football.
2: It's funny. Some players that, that move around from one team to another do so because they've run out of options. Other players do it because they're very much in demand, and I think you fall into that second category. Um, when you go into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, notice I didn't say if, when you go in Oh I love that Are you going to be a bomber? Are you going to be a Montreal guy? Are you going to be an Argo? Or are you going to be <laughs> a rider? Answer
0: carefully Answer carefully
5: Yikes 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 Do you guys want the truth Or you guys want me to just give you an answer That everyone's going to be happy with?
0: Are you going to be a politician in later in life so you decide? So you're either going to be a politician and give the politically correct answer, or are you, listen, Rider Nation, for the past two years we've been through, and you know this, we live, in, we live and die on all this stuff. We've had to face a lot of truth. So hit us with whatever yeah. you want. We, we can take it. We're fine. What's one more? All right. Uh,
5: all right, I'll say this. I'll say this. Like I said, uh, each city that I've played for holds a special place in my heart. Um, uh, but, and, and I have, it's not a final decision yet. Um, I feel like it's still too soon. Um, and who knows? Who knows if this is really going to happen? But in the case that this dream actually becomes a reality and, and, and I get the phone call telling me and letting me know that I'm getting into, you know, that legendary, uh, list, uh, right now it's hard to go away from the, the one city, the one team that allowed me to win a great cup. Um, I was really close with the writers. I felt like we should have won that year. We crossed over and lost to um, Ricky Ryan and Toronto Argonauts. Um, but right now, in all honesty, and I want to be completely transparent with you guys, um, I'm leaning, I'm leaning. And again, I say I'm leaning because it's not final yet, but I'm leaning towards the Toronto Argonauts.
0: And that's fine. You didn't mm-hmm. say Winnipeg. That's the only team yep. you didn't have to say, and that was the only one we don't care. Because now, since Corey Mace <laughs> and all these AJ oled we're Toronto West now. We're a huge Argo fan. We love that's everything. Right. That was the only wrong answer you could have right. gave was Bombers, and you didn't. So we're good.
5: <laughs> I know. I know. I know exactly who I'm talking to. Yeah.
2: You're going to go very far in broadcasting, by the way. Um, okay, we've given you flowers, but now here comes the other side of it. I got a bone to pick with you, uh-huh. Henock Mwamba. Uh-huh. Um, I play CFL fantasy football every year, and yes. for the last three, four years, you've been my carryover guy at linebacker because you're Henock freaking Mwamba. And uh, yes. I didn't know you were going to be out this season, and I'm sure you probably going into 2023 uh-huh. didn't know that either. How difficult was it watching from the sidelines this year?
5: Uh, it was. Um, it was. It was difficult, but it was. It was. I think it was a necessary um, process for me. It allowed me to get to the place that I'm at today, where I'm. I'm content. I'm not just content, but I'm happy, um, and I'm looking forward to what's next. Um, so last year, obviously, not having played, um, you, you know, not being able to play was was a challenge. Um, you know, I'm always. You know, want to, as you guys know me, to to be involved with the defense and and lead from the field and and, and by example and whatnot. But for me, um, um, it was a process of of getting to where I am today and and, and actually, you know, saying, hey, look, I think it's really time. And, and having the year that I had last year allowed me to be content and comfortable with making that decision. Um, I, I kind of knew a little earlier on; um, it, it wasn't for sure, but I knew I had an idea that. Um, I was leaning towards retirement already I had some conversations with the front office where they told me, hey, you know, we just want you to stick around. Um, you know, I know you, you told us that you want to move on, but we want you to stick around and, and help the team as much as you can, and so I did that. And it was cool to kind of contribute from a different perspective than I've always done over the course of my career from the standpoint of being in the locker room, being in the meetings, being on every trip and, and, and kind of talking to guys one-on-one. But um, you know, having been able to go through that that year last year, um, I, I also allowed me to be comfortable with where I am today. And and I'll say this one thing that allowed me to also know that it's uh, I'm okay and I'm and, and I'm in a good place. Um, every year that I've fallen short from getting a breakup, which is every year that I've played um, uh, except for 2022, my rookie year, we went to the breakup and lost. I was with the Indianapolis Colts and we lost in the play gate. Tom Brady and the Patriots cheated. That's a whole other Oh, yeah. come
3: on.
6: Oh, right? No. No. Yeah, 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 no listen. That's the reality. That's the reality. Oh, but, he said he doesn't win. Um, what
5: lose? was the score at halftime? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth and the facts. And so right, uh, right. that happened. So I've gotten close. But every other year that I've fallen short, you know, I'm, I'm always bitter. And I've had friends that win the breakup, that win the Super Bowl. And, and, and I'm still bitter and I'm still mad that you know they may have won the championship and it wasn't me, it wasn't my team. The last year and I see this, there's, there's been a couple of years where, you know, uh I I was so dis- you know, disturbed and, and, and hurt um that we didn't win that I, you know i talked to my wife and i said let's 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 take a trip let's get out of the country i don't want to hear anything about the up. and uh we drive i have a lot of fun still in indianapolis so we drove up to indianapolis and it's very therapeutic by the way um drove just to indianapolis and uh uh you know i got over there for the duration of the breakup festivity uh, but last year i was doing some media with the cfl with csn and whatnot and i was on the field post game. Talk to some of the guys that I've played with in, in Montreal and some of the young guys like William like Sandback who, you know, told me, you know, if you didn't tell me it was this great, I said, yes. And he was bawling and crying and he said, hey, now I understand why you were crying. And I said, exactly. But I was genuinely happy. And, and, and uh, I remember when I realized and I saw how happy and genuinely happy for the guys that I know and the guys that I just saw. Um, knowing the work that comes that comes with, um, you know, winning a championship. Um, that's when I knew, like, hey, you know what, this is this is the place in my career where I feel comfortable also taking the next step. So, last thing was definitely necessary, definitely necessary for me. Um, and it helped me to get to where I am today.
3: All
0: right, we're chatting with Enoch Mwamba on the Western Pizza Guest Hotline. You more than anybody would know exactly who we're getting in Rider Nation. We'll get to AJ Uled in a bit. Tell us, uh, besides Corey Mace, tell us about these other coaches. Tell us these people that aren't necessarily going to get the limelight, but tell us the inside stuff on the the guys that we're getting because we probably don't even know how good they are. Would is that say is that a fair assessment?
5: Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, AJ Uled, I think he's been well uh, advertised. And him and I have had some great conversations over the years. Um, the last couple of years, um, he's a guy who um, really work hard. Um, I know this—it's it, been used so many times in, in, in the world of football and in, in, in professional world period. But this is the definition of hard work. I mean, he's the first guy. I guarantee you, and you can ask him or ask his teammates. Um, don't even ask him but ask for, you, know, you know the the rest of the team who's the first guy in the locker room uh, and every day it's going to be him he's going to change the culture within that locker room 100% I, I know that for a fact because he's the first guy to be in the locker room whether he's working out watching film he's that guy he's super positive he brings an attitude to your team and you see how he plays already on the field and, and the type of work ethic that he has is absolutely that up so um, that's the type of much as getting an agent let, and so you um, should definitely be proud and, and and cherish him. I'm excited for him because again he's gonna get to, to go to grow his brand. I remember we started. to – I used to tell him, "AJ, hey, you gotta start to. I need a celebration. You're making way too many plays to not have a staple for us to know." So he does this thing where he rolls his his arms forward and and he points towards the first down when he has a big play, and I'm glad to see him. Kind of, you know, uh, brand himself in the way that he does, but it's exciting to to have a guy like him, Corey Mace. I don't know um, what what more to say, but he's a constant, uh, but the real leader, one of the best leaders that I've ever been coached by. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this: good leader, good leader. Um, you know, try to help the people that are around them. So it's a great leader, um, like Corey Mace, or, is the type of person that. Um, but people, people want to be a part of the things that he does. Um, when he, you know, started telling guys or when it was made um, public that he was leaving, you know, it, it hurts so many people with it here in Toronto. Um, but that's the type of guy that he is. I mean, he brings the attitude. He brings the, the um, the, 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 positive energy um, to everything that he does. And he's so prepared. And we often talk about players, coaches this is the true player coach where he he, he can talk to you uh, at a place where you can completely understand everything that he's saying and he gets the best out of you. But not because you're afraid, but because you want to, right? Because of what he stands for and who he is, and so I'm excited for him and and, and the team that he's going to lead out there in the for the writers. Um, but uh, I'm excited for 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 the writers. There, I think there's going to be a lot of things that are on their way, and and obviously potentially most likely having Trevor Harris back is going to be uh, uh, something to look forward to for sure.
0: One final one Oh oh yeah, go it. No, fire away, Pete. But I'll give I'll let the folks
2: know it is Hinak Mwamba, recently retired and uh eventually Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Uh Enoch, we, we talked about AJ Olette. We know he brings a load when he runs the ball. Uh we had West Cates on right. a little earlier, a guy cut from the same cloth. When you when you were playing it makes it sound like it was so long ago. When you were playing last year, uh <laughs> was there one guy that you didn't particularly love the idea of going up against because you knew you were going to be sore afterwards. Is there one back that was just sort of punishing?
5: The, I've had two teammates in, in the past that I've, I've, had, I've said that before. Man, I'm so glad you're on my team. Um, uh, but, but one is William standback. Playing against him is always, you know, you got to bring your A game. You know that after the game, you're going to feel... Um, you know, the boosies and the aches.
3: But AJ is another guy that I never got to play against.
5: But I always told myself, man, this is one of those guys that you don't want to play against. Because, again, you talk about the load that he brings. But you talk about his his versatility. He can cast out the backfield. His ability to, his, his combination of speed and strength, of uh, quickness as well. You know, because when you're thinking into yourself, okay, let me just close my eyes and hit him as hard as I can. He's gonna jump over you, right, or or avoid you. And so, um, he's he's one of the tougher guys that I think. Um, you know, people probably won't admit it, but um, you know, people don't really want to play again.
0: All right, it's uh, the newly retired enoch muamba and he has told us that he is not going into the canadian hall of fame in a bomber jersey that's all we needed to hear enoch thank you love to have you on the show again we're going to take a break it's the sports cage on 620 ckrm
1: our house is your house welcome inside the sports cage on saskatchewan sports radio
0: 620 ckrm just after five this afternoon curling legend Russ Howard joins the cage with the briar starting tomorrow. There's nobody more qualified to talk curling in Saskatchewan than Russ Howard. He's had some success at the briar. Now we're going to find out who he thinks will end up after 10 days hoisting the trophy and probably multiple 016s. Uh we do have briar tickets to give away if you know the answer which skip won the first briar ever played at the brand center. Some people texted in Russ Howard is the answer. That is not the correct answer. 306-936-6262 on the Capital Ford Lincoln text hotline. You can get those uh answers into us. We will give uh, we'll give away these tickets after 5. Uh so you're going to have a chance. Uh I've been looking forward to this for a couple of days. Because the CFL, in all of its cfl has said nothing about the Chad Kelly Toronto Argonauts situation. And Arash Madani is with us this afternoon. And Arash, sorry, I pumped your tires. I said there's nobody better when it comes to the investigative journalism part in Canadian sports than you. So what do we know about this situation now that the CFL and the Argos are having to bring this to the forefront? Because now there's going to be an investigation opening.
6: Well, here's my question for you, Chris. We are about a week removed from the lawsuit becoming public from the former strength coach of the Argos making allegations against the quarterback, against the assistant general manager, and the culture of the organization. A week. Why did it take a week for an investigation to open Like, isn't that almost instantaneous that that's the way any legitimate organization would operate? Like, when you go to a crime scene and you watch the police start to get the yellow tape out, are they going to wait a week before beginning an investigation? What What is happening in late February that's taking a week? for the league to make this decision, Chris, when if you think back just a few years ago, when Teague Sherman, a player in the league, Jerome Messam, a player in the league, when there were accusations made against them, instantly and unilaterally, the commissioner just suspended them and said the league would not honor any contract for those two players. But because it's precious little Toronto... And because it's the most outstanding player in the league, what does the CFL office do? It drags its speed. It drags its speed. And you can't tell me there haven't been back-channel conversations happening with some people at the Argonauts and the league office in the meantime.
2: Here, Rash, it's Pete Pascoe. Uh, wonderful to talk to you again. Um, yeah, Pete. What is... And I guess this might differ depending on who the commissioner is. What's a CFL investigation anyway? Uh, Who's going to run it? What are they going to look into?
6: Well, I'm assuming they're going to speak with all parties involved. Who will some of those people be? They would be the now former assistant strength and conditioning coach, probably the current strength and head strength and conditioning coach, probably the assistant general manager, John Murphy, who has been brought up in the... uh, in the lawsuit, John Murphy, who you may remember in 2022, didn't work in the league because of how the 2021 East Spinal ended. They'll probably talk to Michael Clemens, the GM. They'll probably talk to Ryan Dinwiddie, the head coach. They'll probably talk to Chad Kelly. They may talk to some other people in the organization to get an idea of what was happening there. But And, and then they're going to come up with something. But let, guys, like Let's be real for a second here. What has the Canadian Football League needed for years? They've needed the Argos to be a strong franchise in the league. They need Toronto to work. What do we think with you know detective Randy and inspector Trevor Hardy and and his and the band of, of of greats that they have over there at the league office what do we really think they're going to do when push comes to shove with this thing
0: because sorry when you said detective Randy I thought I thought I thought trailer women park policy was... sorry go ahead No, when you said Detective Randy, I thought Trailer Park Boys there for a second. Uh, Randy, oh man, sorry. Yeah, anyway, sorry about that. Yeah,
6: yeah, like Law and Order, Randy style is just amazing. Look, they have a violence (laughs) against women policy. They're they're saying that you know it's an inclusive league and everybody's welcome, et cetera, et cetera. If that was the case, right away, you have to come out a with a statement. B say the investigation is starting. See, be transparent on what's going to happen in this investigation. Instead, they're all kind of running for the hills and it's almost like the Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing at one another, saying, not me, not you, not me, not you. Um, look, at some point, a, you want to be an I, industry what, leader, show it. Industry leaders show it.
0: Yeah, and instantly when this came out, they should have came on and said, listen... Um. just say, hey, we take this, like everything. These press releases, there are a lot of them around on the Internet. You could find one and change out some verbiage. We take allegations like this seriously. We have started our own internal investigation. We have no comment, further comment at this time. Thank you. And you put that's that it. out with the logo that's on bad. it. You put that on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and then that's it. To wait almost a week is absurd
6: to do that. I'm
2: wondering and uh, I'm I'm racking my alleged brain but as far as I can tell or aside from maybe unproven whispers so it's the first time even a hint of scandal has touched Pinball Clemens
6: Yeah that's a good question I don't know and look this is going to be what's, what's – here's what's interesting about all this how how do we suspect this is going to go and I hope I'm wrong but my suspicion is that one member of Argo's management is going to be made a scapegoat here.
0: And I think it's John Murphy. I think it'll be John and Murphy. If on that's
6: this. it. That's that would and, and who knows what's going to happen. This would be this if if it is, that's the second infraction in three years or whatever the number is. Yep. But how much, if if this investigation is to find that there was wrongdoing by Kelly, guys, what is the punishment for the most outstanding player in the league?
0: Wow. Well, you have to make an example out of them. You gotta, like, if you... It's the season. I think you have got to suspend him for the season, and then then we'll talk. You can't if you're gonna, you are going to do think something. Think about the Desha- you have like. like let's
6: look situation. at recent precedent in professional sports. The closest thing has been the Deshaun Watson situation in Cleveland, and he got eleven games. The difference with Watson is that there were no team employees involved. If these allegations are true, if the investigation shows impropriety from people in the building, if it shows impropriety by the quarterback, what then? Now, here's my other question. What if this Keystone Cops investigation, what if they come up and say, well, we didn't find much, but then in court, the lawsuit says otherwise. What would that then say?
2: Goodbye, legal credibility. You My goodness. Yeah, well. uh, now there's no hint <sighs> yeah, yet you of know, a police investigation. But if it goes that way, and I mean, there's a lot of what ifs that I'm going into now. If it goes that way, and if charges are laid, can you even bring
6: it
3: Yeah, Kelly I don't back think charges him?
6: are being laid because this is this is a you know this is a lawsuit there's there's no criminality here but but the allegations are the allegations are severe because it's saying it's it's an improper work environment and borderline depending on how you look at it an unsafe environment for a woman to work in, but at the very least a very uncomfortable and unprofessional environment for a woman to work in. And then what does that say? And remember guys, this is really like fundamental in all this, this is not just an Argos CFL thing. It's not. The company that owns the Argos, the parent company is Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. They are a twelve billion dollars yeah, they're a twelve billion dollar corporation, yeah that oversees an nBA team, an NHL team, an MLS team, they own corporate real estate in town this is This is far beyond just three down football in terms of what the tentacles are, and if these allegations are proven to be true in court. If this was how you're operating, what does that say about the whole thing? So there are a lot of tentacles in these allegations, in this lawsuit, and in this investigation led by Inspector Clouseau and friends.
0: Well, I think the damning part of this comes comes true, and this is where the John Murphy thing. Because yeah, he wasn't in the league because of his actions in 2021 in the East Final. When it came on, I read, and I'm like, they're done. It was reported the the, the, the improper behavior, whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying to diminish anything, and nothing was done about it. Was we told now, not worth doing. Now, now. It's not like this was just a he said, she said, no, no, this was reported. And then somebody decided to not take that information to the proper people. And in a $12 billion corporation, and you don't have to be that there's HR departments, there's videos, there's trainings, there's everything to watch that you have to do to become an employee and to stay an employee of here's what proper behavior is like at work. And if you don't adhere to it, here are the consequences for you involved.
6: You can't tell me
0: that that, that, that's not in place there.
6: If this happened the way the lawsuit alleges, the chain of command being that the assistant strength coach claims that she went to the head strength coach and claims she went to the assistant general manager. That's the chain of command. Now, if that allegation is true, that she went there and, and made, her, made her claims to you know, her supervisors did Murphy then pass that along up the chain or did it end there? You know, there's a lot of, it. like, and here's the thing. And I, and I, and I mean this sincerely, how many people in this investigation with the league office are going to tell the truth? If you have people in the organization Somebody's who are going to band together and all have a similar story, what happens then and how different is that from the legal matter? That, that, that is another kind of layer to this whole
0: thing. <sighs> There's no easy out on this. Can we switch things up? So the other night um, was the 14th anniversary of the Golden Goal the 2010 ah. Olympics I wow. was watching I was watching on TV Arash are you we got better or connections than me uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe that it's already been 14 years since that happened were you there what what's so with the golden goal give us where what you were doing where you were all of that when it happened
6: I had just started at Sportsnet and um, I was not in Vancouver I was actually in downtown Toronto I had just gotten back from spring training with the Jays. And you, here's what's amazing about the golden goal that I think we have to kind of take our minds back a little bit too. We're hosting an Olympics on home soil for the first time since 1988. And on the day of the opening ceremony, an athlete from the Eastern Bloc dies on the luge track. And then that night at the opening ceremony, there were malfunctions for the big reveal with Wayne Gretzky and Steve Nash and everybody. And then Cypress Mountain didn't have any snow. And then the Zambonis weren't working for our figure skating and curling rinks. And we weren't winning any medals. That's how Vancouver 2010 started. We were literally a global disgrace. And then week two rolls around. We start to win one, and then another, and then another, and then a gold. And then Alex Bilodeau went the first gold medal on home soil. And then John Montgomery is walking through Whistler Village, and someone hands him a pitcher of beer, and he downs it right there on live TV. And Canadians just got into it more and more and more. And the crescendo became the final Sunday, closing ceremony Sunday, gold medal Sunday, where two-thirds of the country was watching that game. And it wasn't just because it was a hockey game. It wasn't just because it was Canada-USA, even though that had a lot to do with it. It had to do with, this was the culmination of, can we actually scrape ourselves up off the mat as a country and have the final exclamation point brushstroke to a great host of an Olympics after a disastrous start? And that, that golden goal represented more than just winning a hockey gold medal. That golden goal was, we did it. We pulled it off after a horrible start to hosting an Olympics, but as a country we all united around it. And that to me is what that golden goal represents. Not just Sidney Crosby going down forever um, as the greatest trivia question answer in Canadian history, but it's we actually were able to pull off hosting an Olympics, and we it was it was touch and go for a long while, but, but we did it.
2: So you mentioned the fellow that scored the golden goal, and, you know, the next Olympics involving NHL players is two years away, so of course speculation has to start already. But people are wondering, is Sidney Crosby too old to wear the C again? Should it go to McDavid? Do you have thoughts on that?
6: Uh, not yet. Not yet. I mean, two years from now in in pro sports is, is shoot a lifetime from now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see where health is. Let's see where production is. Let's see who does and doesn't get themselves into trouble off the ice. Um, all those all those things. Let's see. You know. Um, let's see how it all unfolds. And and I know this sounds like a weird thing would McDavid want to see on his chest for for the Olympic team. That's something else, you know? Like there's it's one thing to do it eighty two games for your for your NHL team. It's another for a two and a half week tournament where it's altogether different. Where you as a captain have to go tell one of the best players in the world, whoever that is, your role is to back check and you may be the best defenseman on your team in the NHL, but you're only going to get six minutes tonight, and that's the role we need you to play for us to win. Um, there, There is, you know, you have to be an ally with the coach. Who is the coach going to be? What kind of relationship does the coach and the player have? Uh, wearing the C in a best-on-best, under-three-week tournament is so different than a, than a six-month season.
0: Uh, and we'll wrap up on this, Arash. You are in the center of the universe. And uh, speaking of guys only playing six minutes of defense, sometimes Maple Leaf defensemen play six minutes of defense, but they're actually on the ice for 18 to 20 a game. Ouch. Nice. Is it the year that they can get it together? And who do they need to add at the trade deadline? Because they didn't get Chris Tanev yesterday. Uh, what did somebody say? It's the classic Brad Trilliving close but no deal, he's missing out on all of these key pieces that the other teams are getting down the stretch. Would that be a yeah, fair isn't assessment?
6: It, isn't it amazing that Tana leaves True Living's old team uh, to yeah. go to Dallas in, in, in that scenario? I'll be honest, guys, I, and I am the furthest thing from a Leaf fan, but I look at this Leafs team right now and especially coming off this Western Conference road trip. And I don't think there's a better team in the Eastern Conference today than the Maple Leafs. Now, that doesn't mean anything come playoffs. You have to actually have to go do it. And it it sounds so weird talking about the Leafs in this, in this way for a team that's won, what, one playoff round in 20 years or something like that? But... Everybody likes to nitpick at the flaws of whatever team you're talking about and why oh, they yeah. can't win, right? But name me a team that doesn't have issues and flaws and deficiencies. Um, I, I don't, don't know. know. Go, you're not going to find one. Up. Is there anybody you want more than 34 in blue and white on your no. team? I don't know.
0: See, that's the guy I cheer for. That I'm not a Leafs fan, but I cheer for him because he's heart and soul. He's one of those guys, and it must kill him every year when it comes to the playoffs. He can't outscore all the problems, and he can't make other guys have heart when it comes to playing or go into the corner to get the puck. Sorry, William Nylander, but you're not the toughest guy probably going to the corner against probably a, you know a Vegas defenseman when it matters the most. Uh, Arash, we got to wrap it up here. It's Arash Madani for Smart Investing Solutions. For Smart Investing Solutions, be smart with your money. Call Brian Gall. At Smart investing solutions five four six twenty five thirty three. It's the sports cage coming up after the top of the hour. We'll tell you how you can win the Briar tickets. And he's a huge rider fan, but he is one of the most famous curlers in Canada. Russ Howard will join us in minutes on six twenty CKRM.
1: Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM.
0: Briar starts tomorrow at the Brand Center. We have tickets to give away to the draw on Wednesday. Saskatchewan's going to take on none of it. You can win tickets. Which skip won the first Briar ever played at the Brand Center? It'll be interesting to see if our guest on the Western Pizza Guest Hotline knows the answer. Today, He probably knows the answer, and he probably knows the person on a individual level. If you know the answer to that... 306-936-6262 texting your answer of uh, first and last names. As we mentioned, the Western Pizza Guest Hotline, Western Pizza with a generous amount of toppings plus Greek food like souvlaki, ribs, salads, all the goodness you can't make at home. Call Western Pizza today. Uh Russ Howard, um kind of like when, you know, Super Bowl and football players get nostalgic when the Briers about to kick off, is there something just a little inside you that goes, yes. It's that time of year again?
7: <laughs> Absolutely, especially when it's in my home area. you know, I'm here in Regina now. And it's, uh, you know, the Albertans and the uh, Manitobans will uh, tell you that's where the heart of Curling is. But it's really all three uh, prairie provinces. And that uh, there's nothing like a Western Briar. And I said that all the years I lived down east and all the years I lived in Ontario.
2: Russ, I don't know if you heard uh, leading into this, uh, our trivia question today, giving away tickets, is uh, we're looking for the winner of the first Briar played in regina that was back in 92 i without giving away the answer i i know you have memories of that final because well you were in it
3: that's oh. right that's right oh, that's right. oh. I gotta, who who, I gotta, who brought I, up this I, question i could win Why? your contest
2: oh. yeah i imagine oh, you know man. the winner uh, what what can you like can you flash back to that that game that that final and and what you remember of it
7: Oh, uh, it, it was a really good game. And, and, and Am I giving away the answer here or no?
2: No. We're almost
7: uh, at the point yeah, where
3: we should.
0: Yeah, we're almost, it doesn't matter. You can, you let her fly. If people want to text in, hey, you know what? Sometimes in life, you need a few tap-ins. Doesn't, life's a grind these days. Let's make it easy. Uh, so go Skip's ahead. name uh, rhymes uh, with Rick.
3: <coughs> <laughs>
7: and, uh, I'm quite happy not to give you the answer because it, uh, it, it, you're, we're picking a scab here, mm-hmm. but, uh. No, it was it was one of my favorite Briars ever, and I, uh, I uh, related that story not on television, but in uh, in commercial break to Joanne, because Holman just had the best year in women's curling ever. They've lost five games all year. They went through the Scotties undefeated, and uh, it reminds me of 92. We'd lost six games all year with my dream team, Wayne Madaw, Pete Corner, and Glenn Howard, and uh, we lost a couple more during the Briar, but uh, we were ranked number one going to that final, and uh, Came in, uh, came in second. Because <laughs> that's what happens. And you, you look at Holman or Jones. Uh, they're they're winning about half, roughly half of the finals uh, that they play in. And that's simply because the other team's just as good. You know, you you are the, the, the way our format works in Canada is you get to the the cream gets to the top. There's two, three, four phenomenal teams, and anything can
0: happen. So, now, keep in mind, that was 1992, and you've curled a lot of games since. Can you still see the shots that haunt you in your head from that game?
7: Uh, (laughs) It's like you've been uh, following me around. Somebody asked me that uh, last week. Do you remember some of the shots? I said, I tend to remember the bad ones. And uh, they said, well, what's the one you remember the most? And it's actually from that game um you know it was it was i think we'd given up a a stupid two and we tried to get it all back and i had a i had a very tough cross the sheet double but i hit to make the double i had to get very close to the guard and uh i could have just drawn for one and the game would be close and who knows what would have happened it was around the sixth seventh end and we kind of went for it because that's what we did back then it just checked we were off on off on ticked the guard and not only missed the shot I was aiming at, it went right to a little port or I would have still scored one, and all of a sudden we're down something like four, and you don't get down four to Rick Folk, and uh, you get to come back, especially back then with the uh, different rules.
2: Well, you mentioned his name, so I'll go there. It's the standard question every time the briar rolls around on Saskatchewan radio, and certainly when there's a Saskatchewan briar. Rick Folk, 1980, been a little while since a Saskatchewan rink won this thing. Mike McEwen, have what it takes it? to maybe break that curse?
8: Yeah, he does.
7: He really does. Is he the favorite? No, uh, but I love the team. Uh, the the two twins uh, make a lot of shots. They're underrated, uh, and Colton Flash is maybe the hardest throwing, accurate guy out there. So he can turn and end around. You know, it's one the way curling is now. It's put a whole bunch of rocks in play and then blast away, and they they've got that style. I do I think they're the best team? Not quite, but. Uh, with that style, what tends to happen is maybe they're playing Gucci in an important game, and Brad's sitting three, and Bolton comes down and makes a raise triple, and all of a sudden McHugh is sitting three. You know, and it can it can turn around in a hurry. And um, back in my era, it was more of the finesse game, and uh, guys still made a lot of hits. But uh, the rocks are so much more lively now; it's changed the strategy to some degree. And, and the, the guys with the big weight ability uh, uh, can be very valuable.
0: Okay, so you mentioned this. You thought you take you know you mentioned in the game against Vic Peters, you're down two. You could have went for an. How much of that? Because ego is involved, right? There's the smart play, and then there's the ego play. So how hard is it to tame the ego on the ice, going? I can do that. I can make that shot. No, no, it's like going for (laughs) it's it's like going for a touchdown instead of taking a sure field goal on third down.
7: That's exactly it, and uh, sometimes you need the touchdown, right? And you have to you have to weigh the odds. It's no different than that, or you know, can I hit that eight iron over the water type thing? It's 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 all the things are calculated risks, and you have to. One of the things you have to think about is who you're playing. And, and you're right. I guess it was '92, we lost to Vic. '94, we lost to Rick. Uh, and in between, we won. Uh, we were in three finals in a row. Um, so your trivia question should have been about '93 and not those other years, but. <laughs> um, but um yeah it it just really comes down to that and yet sometimes you're kicking yourself that you took the chance and other times that's how you win you know and and i think it uh, that's the beautiful part about curling and the, we, i teach a lot of curling clinics and strategy clinics and there's more than one right answer in a lot of cases and sometimes it's the sh you know it's the shot you you uh have a better chance of making and sometimes we don't filter that in. I was a lot younger then. I probably, thinking back, I probably would have played a safer shot, but at at the same time, it's, to argue with myself, you can't play safe shots and beat Vic Peters or Rick Folk. So, it, it's, uh, everything's a, a, a educated guess.
2: You mentioned uh, earlier in the interview, and uh, we're speaking with Russ Thank Howard you. in case folks don't know, uh, the special quality of briars out west, and I'm going to say maybe even specifically the prairies, what is it about when that event rolls around that people here just seem to love and support and frankly go crazy for
7: well that's just that it's a religion out here and i was you know i was lucky enough to live in new brunswick for nearly 20 years and it's not the same they're just a, just not to pick on them but here as a competitor and i find the same way as an analyst as a competitor you You'd play a game like that against Vic Peters, and people would come up to you and you know and say, uh, "Why'd you play the shot?" Or I thought that was a really brilliant move there. Or your brother made a great, you know, you you. They're into it. They're, they're, it's it's to answer your question, it's the crowd, and it's the knowledge of the crowd. wherever you seem to go out west here, and they just they just get it, and that makes you as a competitor that more. Uh, Into the into the whole situation. If it's if the you know the the Briar wouldn't be the Briar if you played at somebody's backyard and there wasn't any crowd or television. And the biggest crowds and the most knowledgeable crowds are out here.
0: Can I ask? Now, because curling is always... When we were growing up as kids in Saskatchewan, curling was a social sport. People were drinking. There were cigarette ashtrays. Like, in the ice, there was all of that. In the professional realm... Now, back in 92, would you guys have... You know, some you know, a drink to calm the nerves before the game, or was it already out then? Like, when did it become from kind of a mix of that into this is? Because wh- who were we talking to a couple of weeks ago? Off-season training, special diets, dietitians, physiotherapists, right. chiropractors, all of this stuff. When did it turn from social, with some high stakes at times, to this ultra-focused right. extreme sport now?
7: I, I can't pick the year, but I, I would I would say. Uh... It was. It got less and less social all the way along, <laughs> and, you know, from the Ernie Richardson era to the Eddie Warnick era in the uh, in the late eighties. Uh, you know, that type of thing. It was still a very social. Al Hackner and Paul Gouzel, all those type of guys. Um, they seemed to try to do both, and and uh, but I would say right after that, and uh, he, probably probably uh, started in the nineties. And then what what immediately happened was the rumor in, you know, ninety. Probably 92. Yeah, 92. We had a, uh, Albert, Albertville, I think it was. We had an Olympic uh, demonstration sport. And then I think everybody went, wait a minute, you know, this could be an Olympic sport, which it, uh, it was in 98. And then all the rules changed, especially around the world, not just Canada. Uh, that, that, that carrot to be, uh, to win an Olympic medal for your country, I think, I think that's what really changed it. And, and then I think, not that it's it's that much more financially. Like the bong spiel monies in these spiels aren't any bigger than they used to be. We used to play for cars. Now you play for thirty, forty grand in in the biggest of all spiel's, like the grand slams. Um, so it hasn't really changed because four cars are a lot more than forty grand. But what's changed is the sponsorship money, the exposure on television. The you know if you're a guy like Gucci, you you do very well with your sponsors. Um, so they probably you know, you don't want to have uh, whatever it is on uh, Maple Leaf or whatever it is on his back and have them drinking, you know, so it's it's really, you're representing yourself your sponsors, your family, the minute that garage door closes in Newfoundland and you get on the airplane.
2: How much of that, I guess, evolution uh, for curlers as full-time curlers and athletes, can we attribute back to Kevin Martin? He seems like in my memory, anyway, one of the first to do it in terms of hitting the gym all the time, training with the boys, watching what you eat, and you could make a full-time living. You could walk away from your profession and, and be a curler full-time. Was was Kevin sort of the, I guess, the Pied Piper in that respect?
7: Yeah, I would, I would definitely, for Canada, I would say yes. Um, you know, I think Kevin... Uh, you know, he, it was basically his full-time job. He ran a uh, uh, like a curling shop, and that. And he, I apologize if he ran anything else. I'm not sure, but, you know, he did, he did well curling, I'm sure. Um, but uh, Pale Lindholm um, from Sweden, I would say, was even sooner than that. Uh, and they were full-time, and they, they'd come over and spend six, seven, eight weeks in Canada, which isn't easy to do if you've got a full-time job. And um, he was learning his trade, and I think he won. I want to say he won three world championships. Um, and he became an extremely successful coach for Adine and the, and the Swedish program. And and, and uh, I, I would I would guess him first, but uh, Kevin definitely uh, raised the bar when it came to, uh, I wouldn't say professional, but but uh, take it a little more serious.
0: <laughs> so Kevin Cooey and Brad Gushu, always in the mix, and when you see them, and not only the precision that they throw, but the 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 weight, and then you see the speed and the accuracy, oh, were there always guys like that in your era, or has that evolved into that precision pinpoint, but with a heavy shot, and they can do anything at any point on the ice?
7: Uh, people don't believe me when I say that it sounds like I'm... Pat my own back, but there was always curlers that could throw it like that. Pat Ryan, I never saw him miss an outturn turn in the 30 years I played against him. It was just incredible. What and and back and forth, you know, Lukovic, Hackner, um, Bertnick, you know, the guys that beat us, folk, Peters, the bunch, uh, my brother, um, all those guys. If you put them on this type of surface, would curl percentage-wise way better than they did. Uh, way back when, I remember throwing a freeze in the '86 Briar and I took four feet of ice and I put it right on the tee line, and I was four feet wide um, because I did got in the wrong side of the center line. Like the ice is so much different; there's less frost. The rocks are way better. Not to not to diminish the talents of these guys, but because of the ice makers and what they've done with the rocks and the ice, uh, now the shots are even finer. Like. You know way back when, if the ice was horrible, you might try a freeze and get within a foot, and now they're trying to get within an inch and it it it's partly because of the surfaces allowing them to be that little bit more accurate
2: what's been this this will seem like a weird question, but when's that ever stopped us what's What's been more stressful for you in your <laughs> in your curling life, having to make a pressure shot in a championship situation or watching your daughter compete at the Scotties <laughs>
7: Yeah, it, it, uh, they're all close. So they're all pressure. I, I think, uh, you know, going to the Olympics, um, or, or our final, uh, pressure game against Jeff Stoughton to become an Olympian when, when you're, I was about to turn 50 when I played Jeff and I, it was my last chance for sure that I was going to, could become an Olympian. That was a lot of pressure, but a normal, normal game in, game out, watching your daughter is the answer. <laughs> it's, uh, it's out of your control to start with. And you want her to do so well and she's she was, you know, such a good player, smart and one of the smartest players I've ever seen. Um, Jennifer told me that when she spared for her one time. she said that she just got it. She just has it figured out. And uh so you know, when they miss a shot or maybe they put the broom in the wrong spot and you're sitting there going, Oh no. It's 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 a different type of pressure and it's I think it's probably to be more accurate, it's it, because it's different. It's more pressure.
0: Now, my uh, wife got our daughters involved in curling last year 7 and 11. They're 8 and 12 this year, and they absolutely love it. Um, do you see young people getting involved it, does this ever worry you or are we putting enough young people into the curling programs in canada because for a while there it wasn't necessarily you know hockey and ringette. there's a lot of other sexier sports to get your kids into that maybe have a little more cachet where are you on the youth coming into curling in, uh, in especially yeah, in the prairie provinces we've,
7: we've got to we've got to do a way better job at that and you know in my day we had schoolboy curling and every school played that's where I met my wife that's um you know you had the uh, office, uh they called it the Ontario Curling Association or whatever it was federation uh championship. You could represent your high school uh I know out here for a while they had it public schools, and I'm not sure there's i think there's a few talking around there's still a couple of areas that do that, but i I'm shocked it's not in the school program even at even at the public school level it's a It's a game you can play for life. You make business contacts. It's social. You can make it as social as you want. Uh,
0: <laughs> There's the crown royal answer I wanted earlier. I wanted that five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you,
7: you know, you. Uh, I want to go a medal at each 50. Um, what, what's not to like about curling? You're not going to bash yourself up like a football or hockey. And uh, I'm, I'm shocked it's not. Uh, it should be the number one sport in the, uh, the curriculum, in my humble opinion. That's
2: interesting. We had a fellow from uh, Melfort, Saskatchewan, on the show earlier in the week, and uh, they're talking about their, their curling day held up there, and he says the sport yeah. is booming up there largely because of new Canadians. Is that the the untapped resource that curling needs to sort of get in touch
7: with? Yeah, for sure, and I know Curling Canada is working on that. Uh, they, they are definitely uh, doing that type of thing, and uh, it, it's, it's funny. I came from a town of about 12,000 people, and your choice was curl or do nothing. And you know now you like you say there's the internet and all this other stuff and different sports and newer sports and sexier sports you know a lot of people if you played hockey you didn't curl like, right kind of thing but yep. we have to get past that and and I know what what's what's also hurt us is, is a lot of our curling clubs are older barns uh, whereas you know I went to Bern Switzerland four or five times to compete you know they got an elevator and a fine dining and. Uh, white tablecloths and the the the, the image is just uh, a little sexier for the for the players to play and 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 most of the countries, Japan, for instance, they have some brilliant facilities, just state of the art with you know the wood and the whole bit, and electronic scoreboards and and I think some of our places and I, I think back to some of the stuff in New Brunswick. You know, it's cold. It's damp. Um, you know, the old scoreboards, the lockers are older than I am. The, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot that has to be done. You can't just blame it on curling candidates. It's 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 probably has never been run like a business. A lot of these small town clubs were volunteer based. You know, I was from the Midland Curling Club. It's 107 or 110 years old now the buildings a little in disrepair. the ice plant all these bills come up electricity costs heating costs you know new rocks new plant new chiller Uh, a lot of these places are struggling and i think that's part of the problem you know you your daughters for instance would you know i think gravitate to a brand new shiny building better than they would to some of these facilities so there's a lot of challenges out there but it you know i'm stubborn it's it if, if i had to do it all over again with my kids i'd still be putting them into curling because uh, you know, they can play forever very little chance of getting injured uh... the social aspect that we had to talk about and <laughs> and yeah, uh, well,
0: okay and so the of we'll, of we'll wrap two things we're going to wrap up here last time i was in the Vanskoy curling club i did not see white tablecloths uh... when i was getting the fries and gravy <laughs> so maybe i missed that maybe then maybe the tables weren't set yet and if we're in the briar patch over the next ten days, and we're going to come say hi to Russ Howard, and we're going to be social. What is your drink of choice? If someone wants to come along and be the ultimate Saskatchewan curling fan, uh, what do they what do they buy in? If you're having,
3: <laughs>
7: well, any type of beer is fine, but I uh, I can't okay. get a beer because the uh, we tend to get yakking and yakking and yakin', and I end up without a voice, and I that's the one thing I need for the job I have now.
0: Mm. All right, it's uh, curling le- but, legend but it uh, Russ. It, it, th- but that, that doesn't, doesn't mean you're you not going to go beer. in the patch, right? Okay, all right. That well, doesn't mean nice. you can't uh, have that good. beer for me. Oh, this is true.
3: <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, curling legend Russ Howard. Uh, the Briar kicks off tomorrow. The Sports Cage 620 CKRM live every day. We'll kick things off tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Going to take a break, come back. And on the other side of that, we'll chat with CFL and Ryder legend Glenn Suter. It's the Sports Cage on CKRM. <laughs>
1: You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, The Sports Cage on 620
0: CKRM. On the Capitol Fort Lincoln text line this afternoon, we've been asking you, which skip won the first Briar ever played at the Brand Center? And apparently, and who put this show together today? Somebody fire the producer. Oh. Uh, wow, we opened, what did, what did, uh, Oh, let's see. What did Russ Howard say? It's like picking a scab. We mm-hmm. brought up some horrible memories. Uh The answer was Vic Peters, Manitoba, 1992. I'm going to say I'm a little fuzzy on that. I don't remember that shot for shot. Uh, Vic Peters winning that. It's not because of Crown Royal. It's just that how I... I 1992? Let's see. I was 19. I, no, I was paying zero attention to the 92 Briar at the Brand Center. As most 19-year-old guys were. Pings I'm not opening. saying that we weren't there and not uh-huh. trying to Distracted. drink the bar dry. Exactly. Um, Tracy Riche, thank you for texting the sports cage. Uh, you're the winner. Uh, we are sending you to check out. Let's see, what are we calling it? It's so funny. We're like, it's draw number 39 when you're going to see four you're Like, whoa. Uh, Pete, isn't it funny that sometimes when you go to these curling events, The best seats at a hockey game are the worst seats at curling, because in curling, if you're sitting in the ends, you have a great view, I'll temper that, of all four, where if you're sitting on the sides, like where it's a great view for a hockey game, now you're trying to look over, and if the best game is on the fourth sheet the furthest away from you... It's really hard to pay attention and watch. Well, it's
2: interesting you mentioned that. The first time I, I covered the Scotties, that would have been 96 here in Regina. I, I had never covered a big-time curling event before, so I, I show up early and I oh, okay, where's the media sit? Oh, right there on the benches in back of the net. Well, that doesn't seem very good. And then I got there and I went, "Oh, okay, this makes sense. Why they would situate us here so we have an overview of things and we can see the shot making in at least one one end." So, uh, yeah, no, that uh, that does make sense. That a terrible seat in hockey would would be an ideal one in curling.
0: All right, so we asked this to <laughs> we all because in the spirit of curling, we asked this to Russ Howard. Uh, if, if you see him in the patch and you were going to buy him a drink, cause you're like, Hey, can we chat? You're a legend. And I want to, you know, chew your ear off for the next 20 to 45 minutes. What can, what are you having? Uh, Glenn Suter joins us on the Western pizza guest hotline suits. If you're in the patch at the briar at the brand center and someone's going to buy you a drink, what, what's your drink of choice? What are you having?
8: Well, what time of night is it? Is it early oh. or is it later in the evening? Have we eaten?
0: Have we not eaten? Well, okay, a lot of variables. And then is it the Glenn Suter from the Saskatchewan Rough Rider playing days, or is it the refined (laughs) Glenn Suter who's on the radio in 2024? Because is the answer different, or is it always the same?
8: Yeah, it's, it's very much different. And there's one other category right in the middle there, too, where the Glenn Suter that was traveling back and forth to visit his kids in New York and Nashville And in Nashville, discovered Lynchburg, Tennessee, and whiskey. So there's that Uh, little, uh, you know, moment in time as well. But to answer your question, a beer out of the gate is fantastic. A nice red wine later in the night, good for me
0: i don't know that the briar is the red wine crowd i'm not somebody is going listen um that 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 came as uh, what year is that oh that's a 2017 okay great yeah we'll have the bottle shots obviously beers all of that um it's briar time in regina it's exciting i mean you lived here this is and we just had russ howard on he said there's nothing like a briar in the prairies would you agree that when the prairie provinces get together to do anything briars gray cups you name it there's just something special about what ends up happening the magic
8: yeah no it's it's outstanding and i and i heard a little of russ and i couldn't agree more that um that whether it's a briar scotties uh the you know the gray cup a world juniors in canada um you know sports in general, bring communities together. I was just at the uh, Vancouver Lions sort of announcement of the Great Cups, some of their uh, festival announcements today. It was earlier this afternoon. Beautiful location down at the Convention Center in Vancouver, right by the Olympic Cauldron and uh, the Olympic uh, display down there. Um, And that was the backdrop for some announcements today that are going to take this Grey Cup celebration to another level. And I'll just give you a quick example of one of them. And I think young people are going to absolutely think this is super cool. Is You know that there's been zip lines in a lot of the Grey Cup festivities and a lot of uh, Super Bowl ones for sure too and uh, different sporting events. They're going to have and set up a zip line that goes over the over the water over the ocean from from one side to another so so you can you can get on this thing and zip line the whole time being over water the whole time over, over the harbor so it, it is there are some real cool deals that are going on the sponsorship was there Randy Ambrosi was there today talking about some of the great things that's going on in the league from last year and how numbers are up in a lot of different categories. So um real exciting time in Vancouver. Glenn, would
2: it be safe to say, and you mentioned Randy was there, he he's been uh tweeting or Xing, I guess, and uh, Safe to say the topic of the Argos and Chad Kelly did not come up today.
8: Uh no. No. This was this was a um this was basically a first uh initia- initiation or announcement of of the Grey Cup festivities. And that's really what the purpose of today. Uh, I, I had a quick conversation with them. They're going to go through the due process, the investigation, look into it. I think what's, from my perspective, not something that Randy said, but from my perspective, I think it's important that in in any time with anyone that this kind of thing happens, that and we see it quite often, unfortunately, um, in all sports, that we, we should not rush to judgment and, and I'm not defending anyone one way or another, Um, but we should let the process carry itself out. Let it, let, let them go through the investigation. Um, This is a wrongful dismissal, uh, dismissal suit, not, or yeah, lawsuit um, and not a sexual assault suit. I think there's a big difference there. We have to, you know, look at it from different lens Um, and, and let's just see, let's see what happens, but no, he didn't, uh, he didn't discuss it today on the podium. Um, the mayor of Vancouver was on the podium, the owner, uh, and the president of the Lions, of course, uh, Rick Campbell was there and, uh, Randy as well, talking about just where the league is now, the anticipation of coming up into this year and what they're looking forward to seeing and what... What the numbers have done, I, I didn't realize all this, guys, but TV numbers were up 36%. I don't think that happens anywhere in anything anymore. Uh, that's a huge jump. And uh, social media activations are up 150% over last year. So I just... And not just about the Grey Cup, but I mean about just football and CFL football in our country, and and that's outstanding. I, I, I didn't realize it was that big a jump. I knew they were trending in the right direction. I didn't know it was that big.
0: It's Glenn Suter joining us on the Sports Cage for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Earlier in the week, Suits, you were chatting with Brendan about uh, the West and the teams and what they may have to prove and keep in mind in rider, Could you imagine if the Riders are good next year, what the TV numbers will be on TV TSN? If everybody thinks yeah. what we think is going to happen, what we're hoping to happen. So let's head out east. And probably the... um the question is, and you know what, they try hard, but they just haven't been able to kind of get their act together. Uh, The Ottawa Red Blacks, is Drew Brown going to be the guy that's going to help put this team on the map and make them competitive? I mean, Dustin Crum came out of the gates hot, but then kind of petered off, and it just ended up sort of being just another Ottawa football season of, well, maybe next year. Is Drew Brown the answer?
8: It's a great question, and I'll, I'll make the argument from both sides really quickly. One is he's ready. He's in that age where your your sort of your level of experience and time in the league is now matching your maturity level as an athlete. And there's that sweet spot between, depending on where you are and your circumstance, between – 27 years old and 33 or 34 years old there's right in there is, is when you can really make a difference and become that championship guy. Um, and he's also been tutored by Zach Kolaris, who, who I would, I would suggest if you, if you ever get a chance to talk to him about the commitment that he made to learning the nuances of the game uh, and teaching drew that as well, I I think that's gonna bode well for the argument that he will take over that team, he will turn it around, and he's ready to do that. The other side of the argument is you don't know until you know. And what kind of team will he have around him? Will he have a good defense to get a couple of stops when they need him? Will he have a good running game so there's balance in the offense? You know, what is his receiving core gonna look like when they when they break camp? You know, those are the things the variables that you just don't know until you see it, until you know. And he's got to check that box when he gets there.
2: I don't know offhand what Jeremiah Mazzoli's health status is right now, but do you see that being an open competition or is Drew basically the anointed starter and Jeremiah's the, I guess, veteran backup that most teams wish they had?
8: Yeah, I, no, I think, you know, I've seen a couple of uh, YouTube uh, videos of Jeremiah working out and he looks great. And, uh, you know, apparently he, he will be healthy for camp. And if he's healthy for camp, you know, I, I don't know the exact philosophy that they'll go with uh, until you talk to them. But I would suggest that unless you always make it an open competition, always, in every position, including quarterback, and it really doesn't matter. Look, if you have, if you have Ron Lancaster is your starter going into training camp, Everybody in the room knows. You don't have to make an announcement to say that, you know, Ricky Ray or Ron Lancaster or Doug Flutie is your starting quarterback. But if you have any other scenario, every player in that room has got to believe that this is an open competition and if I have a great camp and a great preseason, I can win the job. If you have that environment, you have competition, you have your best chance to, to, to rise the level of everybody's play. In the locker room, including both quarterbacks, or all three or four of them, depending on how many you have in camp. And you hit the field, all, all three or four, thinking that they can make the team and, and win the starting job. So, I to answer your question, I, I think if Jeremiah goes in healthy, then it should be an open competition, best man win, and maybe you have a nice one two combo there, too.
0: Okay, but to that point, okay, so that's in Ottawa. All right, so I get it. Now, let's transfer that same argument you just gave to the Hamilton Ticats. Mm. So, Bo Levi Mitchell, who is still sticking around, but he got benched in that playoff game last November. So, is he your definitive number one? Because when you needed him most, he was not on the field. Is that an up-in-the-air 50-50 ball when Hamilton breaks camp?
8: Well, you know, I would say that they don't have a Drew Brown behind Bo So they're going to be younger there, and they don't have Matthew Schultz anymore. So they're going to be, you know, younger behind him. So because of that circumstance, then, yeah, Bo becomes the the first team reps in the first day of camp. But the competition element should be there. I mean, if if one of their guys that we don't know, like a Kevin Thompson or a Taylor Powell, all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it, you, you go into camps saying to your entire team, have a great camp, have a great preseason, you'll win a job if you do that. Now, what your role is when you play your first game, it may be the backup to somebody and that, that goes for every position. Uh, and it may be on some teams and then you keep playing and progressing and you'll win the starting job. I mean, this, this, this is one of the few things in, in the world we still have. Where there is competition. I mean, you know, you can talk about teachers and schools now that you don't have to pass courses. You don't have to pass, you don't have to have a passing mark on tests anymore to move to the next
0: level and next grade. Well, I know I'm opening a can of worms for people to discuss. I know, but you can We're not allowed to say that anymore. It's 2024. My wife is a school teacher. It doesn't matter. You're going to the next grade. It does not matter. She had a student last year that missed 121 days out of 200 days of school, and that child was passed on to the next grade.
8: Yeah, just crazy, crazy to me. Like there's, you you have to push and be accountable to your actions Do you th- does that does that student believe that when they get into the real world and have a job that they can miss 121 days of their job and still keep it no so we're not we're not preparing them if if we're letting them go i, I hey i'm not a teacher i'm and i'm i know a bunch that are and that are frustrated but like you said oh, aren't allowed no. to talk about it anymore well <laughs> <laughs>
0: That can, can of worms, that opened a Brant Center can of worms there, uh, suits. Okay. How do we, how do we jump out of the, the frying pan into some other topic? Uh, the Toronto Argonauts, they've got raided by free agency. They've put a few pieces back, but do you expect, and we keep in mind, we don't know this quarterback situation. Um, they, you know, obviously when you're a good team, everybody comes after you. Um, are they going to be okay? Because it's in the East Division, you just kind of got to be okay to kind of be near the top, right?
8: Um, Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, you, you're you building your team to, to win it all, not to win the East. And so if your mindset going into camp is, well, you know, we're going to have time, uh, you know, time runs out quickly. The p- potential gets most coaches fired if you don't, you know, realize it. I, I I still think Chad, if you know they, he gets this issue behind him, and I I'm not suggesting that it's it's not serious, and I'm not suggesting that um, that you know he shouldn't be punished if they find him to be guilty of something, or the team and whatever those fines may be, or however they this this sorts itself out. But let's say in a hypothetical that Chad is the starting quarterback. Um, I, I think we're sort of scratching the surface. I, I, I think he, he showed so quickly, not many guys in year one as a starter. I think Ricky Ray was the last one I can think of. In year one as a starter, accomplished and won as many games as he did. And, and I don't mean him by himself, of course. It's the ultimate team game. But his play was that of a veteran well beyond his years of experience. Now, you take that after a year. I remember in year two or year three, and most players will tell you this, by year two and three, you understand what's necessary, what you need to do in the off season. Your training is adjusted accordingly, and you come back mentally so much stronger. You're sort of treading water in year one. and And for treading water to win 16 games in Toronto, pretty good.
2: I guess our last stop of the Eastern Cities is the defending champion seems appropriate. Um Montreal lost some key pieces in the off season. William Stanback moving on, Austin Mack presumably will be in the NFL, Elmondo El Sewell moves on. Having said that, can uh, Moss and Fajardo uh, recapture lightning in a bottle for a second year?
8: Um yeah, you know, again, uh, we once the draft is is done and and we see the rosters in in week one, it's it's hard to make sort of predictions looking forward. But you know this this team has Danny Machocha was was thrown into a position with the ownership shakeup and the fact that they lost so many free agents before last season, and they pulled it together and just believed in each other and built a real nice culture. Jason Moss has built an excellent culture there. Um, you know, and that, and that bodes well. I mean, they'll bring in those type of character players. And Machochin knows Canadian football from the college level through to the pro level. And he's got so much experience in it that he understands the pieces he needs. So, you know, we might not know the name of a guy that he signs in the off season, or the name of the guy that he drafts in the third or fourth round or fifth round that we go, who's that guy? Who's that kid? And but he knows, because he's seen them, he's studied them, and he knows the game. He knows the three down game so well. so I, I don't you know like to to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, this, this team is poised to repeat. I don't think you can really do that anymore with any team in with, with one-year contracts and the free agency and the amount of players that move around year to year. I think you have to look at week three or four, you can make a, a judgment there, and then Labor day, and then you go down the home stretch.
0: Nice. Uh, suits, as always, good stuff. Just to recap, if you see Glenn Suter at the Briar, in the patch, if it's early beer, he wants a nightcap of red wine. It's for Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. That'll wrap up the show. We will be at the Briar tomorrow. Uh, you can come and see us. You're not going to miss us. We're uh, right by the original 16-patch in the Vatera International Trade Center. Uh, you can't miss. Come by, uh, say hi, and congratulations to Tracy Richay, who won those Briar tickets. That'll do it for a Thursday. It's the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.